Hey, hey, hey! Today's guest is Park Howell. He has been on the show before, but today we're going to talk more about how he launched his book, Branch Bivitory. So he's the founder of the business of story, and he has an excellent framework on how to create the best possible story about your business, the origin of your business, and what you're all about. But today we're going to talk about his book, Brand Bewitchery. Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. Park, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. Malene, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to see you again. Park, we're going to talk about... I just discovered today that you are, you actually published two books. I only thought you published one. So we're going to talk about both of those books. But while I was preparing for the interview, I had read on your website, you write, 35 years in the making and seven years in writing. We have to start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, yeah, that was. I mean, I've been in the advertising, branding, marketing world for 35 plus years now. And mm -hmm. I ran my own ad agency for 20 of those years in Phoenix, Arizona, and really found business storytelling as an absolute necessity long about 2004, 2005. When advertising, you know, the traditional way of doing it through TV, radio, print, outdoor, direct mail, public relations did not seem to be as effective as it used to be. And of course, that was because of the advent of technology and the Internet and blogging and, you know, social media and everything else. So that's when I went in search for an answer. How do we get our limbic brain, our homo sapien storytelling monkey brain to connect in this very loud and noisy world? And it really comes back to that fundamental foundational story structure. And I found it and it worked well in advertising marketing, still does today because it has worked well since the beginning of recorded storytelling time. And that's how I came about writing my first book, Brand Bewitchery. It was everything that I learned to educate myself in that story process and then how to make it work. And that began in Hollywood and Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey. And anyways, I read hundreds of books and watched equal amount of videos and found, you know, just the way that I like to uh, present it. And it seems to be quite effective for brands and, and purpose-driven leaders. And tell us about how was your writing process? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I was so excited when I first started writing the book. And let me think about that, Malene, for a second. I must have started writing it in 2009. My 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 story research really began 2003, 2004. And then our middle child, our son Parker, went to film school at Chapman University in Orange, California, a very, very prominent film school from 2006 to 2010. While he was going there, Melina, I, I said, you know, Park, send me your books when you're finished with them and your lecture and notes and whatever, since I'm paying for them, because I'd like to know what is Hollywood <laughs> teach you, you know, to become yeah. a competitive storyteller in the most competitive storytelling market in the world. Of course, I wanted to use it for advertising and marketing. So I kind of went alongside of him and got a degree in film school, uh, you know, vicariously. And so I started writing Ramby Witchery in 2010. But by then it was called something else. It was I think that was story built. And first, it was really a workbook. I got all of my thoughts down and 
we wrote it out and then I gave it to some people and everybody said, it's good. It just needs more help. It just needs a little bit more instruction and maybe some more stories and details to it. So then I went back in 2000, late 2010, 2011, and wrote the first edition of what would later become Ranby Witchery. And by golly, that took me all probably a solid six to eight months to really expand it out. So I had something. Then, of course, I gave that manuscript to a lot of different people to read. And some people tore it apart and others go, I don't know. It's a little bit disjointed. It was really my first shot at ever writing a book of that size, essentially a textbook. So I put it on the back burner. And what I did is spent really the next five years out applying everything that was in the book and even learning better ways to apply it, more, you know, just more effective ways in some cases. And some areas I took stuff out and I ended up traveling around the world teaching it. So I ended up with all these great little anecdotal stories from everyone about my process and people going through it. Then I sat down to write the final version of Brand Bewitchery, which was essentially a complete rewrite. So it's really like the third time now I'm going at it, but it flowed so much nicer. I think I had more confidence in my content. And I had these amazing stories that I, you know, weaved in throughout the whole book that would make the business point for me or demonstrate a particular principle for me um, with real people around the world that have used it. And that's how I ended up with Grand Bewitchery today. Would you say that the concept itself that you're teaching in the book, did that change as well in that process? Great question. The overarching 10-step story cycle system, which, by the way, for your viewers and listeners, came from Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. His is a 12 to 17 step process. I boiled it down to 10 that I could map directly to business. So the story cycle system process in and of itself did not change appreciably. I did simplify some steps in it. It's a 10 step process and I did a better job of weaving them together. So as I learned, I took a very complex process and kept simplifying, simplifying until we just totally had it nailed. So yes, it, you know, some of the steps inside simplified, but the overarching concept remained the same. Okay. And what did you do? Did you self-publish that one or was that a, po a traditional publisher? I, I went I uh, hybrid. So I did self-publish it, but through a traditional publisher. And what I got in that is that he did the editing for me and he brought in a an art director to lay the book out and he helped guide me through the whole self-publishing process. They were looking at publishing it for me, but it was going to be um, put off another 10 to 12 months. And I just simply didn't want to wait that long. I thought, let's just get it out there. And he agreed to call Linden Publishing out of, uh, out of Fresno, California. And they were great. They were just absolutely marvelous to work with. And even to this day, I can shoot him a note and ask him questions now and again, you know, if I'm getting <laughs> some reprints or some revisions to the book and whatever. Um, but that's how I went about it. Okay. So let's dive a little bit into the marketing part of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So did you put it up for pre-order or how was it? Did you do a pre-launch or did you go straight for the launch or how did you do that? Yeah, I did a, I did a, a very warm market pre-launch, if you will. So Everybody, you know, I've got the Business of Story podcast, which is over 350 episodes long. When I, when I came out with the book, it was probably at around 250 episodes. And I, what I did is reached back to all of my guests that had been on and let them know that the book was out. Boy, would it appreciate if they could 
you know, buy a copy, rate and review it and share it with their world. And then I did it through some uh, basic email marketing. I didn't have any big, wild and crazy and creative pre-launch for the book. I was just so busy doing other things that I just wanted to get it out there. And it was just right in the middle of COVID. I launched it June 1, yeah. 2020. Yeah. You know, now some people say, well, maybe you should have waited, give it another year or so, you know, let COVID go through. And I'm going, no, it, it was taken so long to get to this point anyways. I was done writing and it was good to go. So that's kind of how I did it. Okay. So after, did was it up for pre-order or in, no, during it wasn't. that time? No. Okay. Just so let it them was, know it was coming and uh, they could buy it starting June 1. Okay. And how did you self-publish it? Did you go through KDP, Amazon, or do, did you print Ingram the books? Spark. And yeah. Ingram Spark. Okay. Yeah, Went I know them. Ingram yeah. Spark. And, you know, it's they've got the system pretty well down. Their customer service isn't great. Uh, yeah. Finding that it's kind of difficult to communicate with them. It really was during COVID. Now it seems like it's getting a little bit better. But I went through them because that was recommended to me by Linden Publishing. They said, that's just the best way to get it up and I can tweak it. And, you know, um, so that's what I've been doing. Okay. Yeah. I, I They do have a few advantages that have better print formats and some say better print quality than Amazon. I'm not sure I always agree on that one. Yeah. But they, but they do have more print options and also they offer physical bookstores to return the books. So that doesn't happen through Amazon. So it's a good choice. Right. right. Yeah. And what about after the launch? What did you do then? Well, then I, of course, promoted it on all my podcasts and then all my blog posts and that sort of thing. When I am promoting my speaking services uh, for keynotes and master courses, mastery classes, always like to include a copy of the book. If they want to, they can buy it for their people. In some cases, I'll bring along some free copies and push it out that way. So through our normal channels, through my uh, Facebook group, through LinkedIn, and um, just build momentum that way. Yeah. So it's not been a sprint. It's more like a yeah. you're halfway into the marathon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, Malene, to be honest with you, um, and I think you hear this from probably all your authors or most of them. I didn't write it to make a ton of money because I just knew that book sales probably wasn't going to get there. I wrote it as much of a legacy piece that I want to say, here's what I did with my career and how you can use this to build um, you know, your brand story strategy or for long form communication. And I use it as much of a calling card as anything. People like the fact of the credibility behind having the book. Those that have gotten the book, I've got pretty much all five-star ratings on it, 50 plus five-star ratings. And I feel really great when they can write me back and say, wow, I used brand bewitchery. It completely changed how I thought about my brand story. Now we have a new look and feel out there and it just is really working well for us. So to me, that's the payoff for all the energy that goes into it. I don't think I'll ever get rich off of it, but it's just nice to have that as an added tool for the services that I offer. Did you have, see any examples of it rubbing off on your regular business, the other parts of your business? Um, you mean as far as being a lead generator? Yeah, a lead generator or, or maybe uh, on that credibility thing that people are mentioning, uh, you don't have to present yourself in this meeting because we already know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're exactly right to have a book like that under your belt and they can go and see how you think. And you'll see when you read through it too, you know, I like to have a lot of fun with it. And it's not just serious stuff all the way through. It's crazy stuff that goes on. And I think, when customers and potential prospects read it, they get a sense of my tone of voice 
who I am and how I present. So it's as good a calling card as you can get. Now, granted, it takes you hundreds of hours to create this calling card, but it's very effective in the long run. And it's something that'll be around forever, you know, long after I'm gone. So a little bit of a legacy of here's my work and here's something that will work for you. Yeah. How about public speaking? Now, I know this has been weird times, but I have that helped you get back on the stages again? Or? Yeah, I don't think the book has in and of itself. I mean, the fact that the pandemic seems to be calming down has helped all of us get back on the stage. Again. Yeah. <clears throat> like so many others, my, my trainings have all been virtual, except for like the last six months. There's been a combination of in-person, virtual, and hybrids that we've been doing. So yeah. as people are getting more comfortable getting back together, boy, they sure are eager for the most part to get back together. Yeah. Much more engaged groups when you get to stand right in front of them like we've been doing lately. Yeah. I think you didn't mention that uh, I've seen you made like a tiny workbook you created. I oh. remember you handed that. That's how we we got to talk at the Social Media Marketing World Conference because you were sitting there with those small. Yeah, that's my little what's your story sure what field guide. Yeah, I'm not sure what we call them. They're, they are like this. Yeah, better, even better. <laughs> Malene, what you're talking about is my little what's your story field guide. It's just... Yes, I, exactly. I hand them out. These things cost me a dollar a piece to print them. So mm -hmm. I always hand them out for free at every single keynote or lecture that I give. And it's a takeaway. And some people, I've been doing it for 15 years, um, who have seen me way in the past say, I still have my little What's Your Story field guide next to my computer. So it's something that has great utility in it. It teaches the three frameworks, story narrative frameworks that I teach in this little guide. And I have them writing in it as we go through it all together. So, yeah, yeah I use that as a, it. you can buy them online, but really, I just prefer to give them away. And what I love about it is that through that, you make people do take some kind of action. And I think that changes the relationship between potential reader of the book and, and you as an author, because you're not only providing information anymore. You changed something, a small piece of their life, or get, got them some clarity. And when I see that, I need to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bite-sized version of the book. Like, okay, now let me get into the book and see how the stuff really works. Yes, yes, I love that idea. So would you share, how, how, how would you define the success for the book? Is that mostly on the legacy part or... What are your expectations going forward? When is a book a success? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the book is a success the moment you push that publish button because you, as a writer, have uh, overcome some tremendous obstacles and odds to finally have gotten that book created. And so I think that's success, number one. And then it's totally up to the author of what do they think success is. I'm not, I don't look at it as a, a numeral success. Um, I enjoy seeing the the comments come in and the ratings and reviews as high as they are. That always feels good. I love it when people send me notes talking about, hey, I got Brand Bewitch, you just got through it, and it's had a remarkable impact on me. Um, so for me, mine is less personal business revenue growth as it is knowing that I'm having the impact in the world that I seek. And then, you know, that leads to other larger consulting gigs, to speaking engagements and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's the way I view that success. Yeah. And it's difficult to know exactly what kind of sales would have come anyway, but definitely it, it makes a difference when you have a book. So diving into what did you learn from that 
process with the first book, and then I know you co-authored another book. Mm -hmm. Tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> so what I learned and where I really had to get focused and buckle down in writing Brand Bewitchery and finishing it, but you know, again, like starting from scratch and rewriting pretty much the, all of it, <laughs> um, is I literally had, I took a page right out of Jerry Seinfeld, you know, the, the famous American comic who writes jokes and writes jokes and writes jokes. And he, even as successful as he is today, still carves out at least an hour or two every single day to write more jokes. And so I said, well, if that's good enough for Jerry, it's good enough for me. And I just <laughs> knocked out an hour at a minimum every morning. And then I had a big old uh, year-long calendar up on my wall at the office that I could X off. And whenever I did it, and I didn't, I wasn't perfect because there would be some days something would get in the way, but whenever I did it, it would get a big green X through it. So I was just trying to pile up as many green X's in a row as I possibly could. When I missed a day, I put a big red X through it yeah. and I said, all right, I don't want to have that, this happen too often, but occasionally you'd miss a couple of days in a row because you're traveling or you just weren't there. But I found that that system, and that's the same sort of system Jerry does. He marks it down every day to make sure that he's showing up. And I did it in the morning, too. I would get up before my wife would get up. I'd get the coffee going, and I would sit in this big old easy chair, and I started pounding away. Sometimes I'd write for an hour. Sometimes it'd be two or three hours if I got on a roll. But I found that really enabled me to get through the third version of the book in just a couple of months versus starting all over again. Yeah. And how was that different when you then you co-authored your second book, right? Yeah. yeah? How did you do that then? Did you? Much easier. Yes. So this was exactly. the narrative gem for business. Now, just a real quick backstory. I started my whole storytelling career around Hollywood, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, and I mapped it to business with this. Ten steps is much more complicated than three steps. What I've learned in my whole program, oh, backwards, the narrative gem for business is this thing called the and, but, therefore. And it's where all powerful business, sales and marketing, leadership, storytelling begins, is understanding the setup problem resolution dynamic of the and, but therefore. Uh, uses the three forces of story of agreement, contradiction, and consequence, and our limbic cause and effect pattern-seeking, decision-making, primal brain loves that. That's why it loves story so much. So I've been working with Randy Olson, who is a Harvard PhD evolutionary biologist, Gave up tenure, went to USC Film School, graduated, produced three documentaries on climate change and global warming, but has written seven books on teaching scientists and academia, big thinkers, how to use story frameworks to communicate their big ideas. Now, all he does is the and button, therefore. I learned that from him in 2013 and have worked with him very closely in the science and academic world, training it. I mapped it to business and that's every, every mastery class and master course starts with the ABT because that's where all powerful storytelling begins with those three steps. Well, during COVID, Randy and I and a couple of other colleagues spent over 300 hours in virtual training sessions working with scientists and some academics on using the ABT to communicate their, their stuff. So I learned a ton of that. Randy came out with a book during that time. Um, I guess it was May of 2020 called The Narrative Gym. And it was uh, this small 75-page guide on the and button there for the ABT. But it was written specifically to the science people, science community. So 
So I told Randy, if we're going to really make this work for the business community, we need to rewrite it with my experience in the business community and using case stories, case studies, and examples in the business world. So that's when he and I rewrote it. He's got his book, The Narrative Gym. We've got The Narrative Gym for Business. So I came in and co-authored it, um, revised what he originally had. So it made my job a lot easier than writing a book from scratch. Since then, we've published two more, The Narrative Gym for Law, which was um, co-written by uh, Doug Haston, a famous uh, defense attorney in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then most recently, The Narrative Gym for Politics which was written between Randy Olson and a guy by the name of Dave Gold, who's been just retired from the political world here in America after, I don't know, 50-year career of writing, content, political management. So we have created this series of these narrative gym books, depending on what you know life you're in. Are you a scientist? Are you a business leader? Are you a lawyer? Or are you in politics? And you can pick up any one of these books and use them to learn about the hand button, therefore. That's where that book came from. Okay, that's interesting. I think that's that's super interesting that once you've built a concept, then you can expand from that and, and apply it to different new, brand new segments. Uh, that That's also a growth opportunity and definitely a sales opportunity for the book. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Then what else I've got is an online course, two online courses for the ABT. They're very short. I've got the ABTs of selling. So if you want to go in and really understand how to use this narrative framework of the end, but therefore to hook your audience with the presentation from the very start. It's 18 minutes long, three videos from me teaching them how to do it. I've also got the ABTs of branding. So if you want to do a better job of communicating your personal or professional brand as clearly and compellingly as possible, take the ABTs of branding. And that's about a 25-minute course because I have some more examples in there how brands have used it. And they can find the courses at businessofstory.thinkific.com or just simply go to the Business of Story site and they can click through it from there as well. That's great. So how, uh, in terms of marketing, how was that process different from the, your first book? Um, it wasn't a whole lot different, honestly. I've been covering a lot about the end button, therefore on my podcast, so we push it out that way. Um, I do a second round of marketing through the online training courses so that it drives people back to the ABTs, to the narrative gym for business through those online courses and vice versa. And, and it's really been primarily through my podcast, hitting that very, very, very hard. Now, I'll also tell you listeners and viewers, if they're interested in the short, quick version of this on podcast show number 350, which I did about a month ago. So it was my anniversary show of 350 episodes. I Instead saw that. Congratulations. Someone, That's yeah, well thank done. You. Thank <laughs> you. And your feed spot just called us the number one business story podcast for 2022. So yeah. we're pretty proud of that. Yeah. But they can listen to that episode 350. And I walked them through first an abridged version of the story cycle system in the first 10, 15 minutes, and then a deep dive into it for the remainder of the hour. So if anyone's interested, they could either have the book in front of them and listen to the show or listen to the show first and they get a, a taste for it. Uh, that's great. So what would you say you would do differently? If you should start all over <laughs> as a first-time author, what, what would you recommend doing differently? What were your key learnings from this? <laughs> well, you know, it might be having that pre-order set up. I, don't felt, I didn't feel like I was in a position to do that myself. I just didn't have the time. 
And I knew that was going to take me down a whole rabbit hole. I think I would go back and find someone who was really good at that. I think you are probably really good at that sort of thing. And I would bring in an extra resource to help me do that. I would invest in that. I didn't do it. It was, you know, again, like I said, during COVID, business was already down um, because of COVID and a lot of, you know, speaking gigs got canceled until they started coming back virtually. And I just decided I didn't have the money to invest in that pre-roll for the book. And so I just was going to launch it and go for it. Yeah, it was definitely during very uncertain times because it was at the very beginning. Yeah. 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 So So that would be the thing I would do differently. Yeah. And how about the writing process? Um, I really like when I use the Jerry Seinfeld method, when I went back, um, I also had a much cleaner, clearer through line of the book for me the third time I was writing it. And I had all of these stories to pull on from the, the previous five years of dialing it in. So I would say for anybody out there, if you're serious about this, you gotta, you gotta just make the time to do it. There's a great book out there. I got I can't remember the title of it, but what it was is they talked about all of these famous authors and writers and artists over the centuries, and they would look at their habits. Yeah. What did they do to be so prolific? And to a person, they had a very regimented schedule that maybe they woke up at five in the morning and they went on a two mile walk with their dog and then they came back and by 7 a.m. they were writing and they would write for three hours without interruption and then they would take a break for tea and biscuits. And then they would write for one hour in the afternoon and then they'd go to the pub and hang out with their pals. And, and But to a person, they had this set ritual around creating. And that was a real big learning uh, for me. And I thought, I just have to build this ritual around it if I'm going to get through it. And having that ritual made me feel like, okay, I'm really committed and accountable to it, but it also flowed because I could finish writing and think, all right, I'm going to sit down again in the morning and I can just pick this up right away. Some days you have those blank days and that's okay. You write a bunch of stuff you're not going to use, but at least you get it out of yourself. And I found that, and then that checking off of the calendar made a big difference in just kind of the attaboys as I went through to make sure that I got it done. Okay. Do you have a marketing plan for your books going forward or or is that kind of it now? (laughs) Yeah, I don't have any new books coming up going forward. I'm just working on these two for the time being. And they're always being mentioned in my podcast because that is my number one weekly communications channel podcast. And that leads to it, it. They're always mentioned in that leads to my email campaign that promotes every podcast. The beginning of every Monday, which leads to you know the promotion of the books at the same time there. And then, of course, whenever I'm on a show like yours, I will have a chance to, to communicate that out. And then I'll drop you know insights and quips and success stories and LinkedIn and so forth in a very casual way through storytelling about the power of the books and the online courses have had in people's lives. And I would recommend to the listeners, those of uh, those who are interested in the topic of your book should definitely follow you on LinkedIn. You're very consistent on LinkedIn. I see you all the time there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got Probably because I like too. everything that you post. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. I'm glad, I'm glad you're finding value and use in it, Malene. I, I am, definitely. Yeah. Park, thanks a million for coming back to this podcast you we also have an episode on my other podcast marketing made human a while ago so i'm it i'm just super glad to see you again and and to talk about the journey of becoming an author and beyond 
<laughs> thank you so well, much for you. being. Thank you for having me. And it was great seeing you in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World. It Big, was. Uh, shout out to Michael Stelzner and that crew there, because that's where you and I first got acquainted a few years ago. It was. And you know what, Park, actually, when the first day on, no, on Sunday, before the event actually started, I passed through the sign outside the convention center. <laughs> and I got all choked up just from seeing the social media examiner brand. <laughs> it was nice to be back again, wasn't it? It definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> Quite emotional. <laughs> yeah. All okay. Right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Park. That's it for today, folks. If you want to know more about Park Howell and his framework for storytelling for businesses, you can go to businessofstory.com or follow him on social media. You will find him everywhere. Business of Story or Park Howell. See you in the next episode. Hey, 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 hey. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. We have a lot of interesting authors coming up sharing their journey and their best tips for book marketing. <laughs>